Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Probably training to go onto that battlefield. And since I was not physically present last Friday, um, and actually they had not notified all of the family, I would not, was not able to announce the identities of the nine soldiers that were killed in the Black Hawk training accident. It was a nighttime training accident that took place last week when two um, HH-60 Black Hawk helicopters crashed in a field near Fort Campbell, Kentucky. The Army has released the identity of the soldiers, all who were with the 101st Airborne Division, <clears throat> and killed in the incident were Warrant Officer Jeffrey Barnes, age 33, Corporal Emily Marie Eve Bolanos, age 23, Chief Warrant Officer S. Zachary Esparza, Sergeant, he was 36, Sergeant Isaac John Gayo, he was 27, Staff Sergeant Joshua Gore, 25, Warrant Officer First Class Aaron Healy, 32, Staff Sergeant Taylor Mitchell, 30, Chief Warrant Officer, uh, second, um, Rustin Smith, age 32, and Sergeant David Salinas, Jr. This is a time of great sadness for the 101st Airborne Division, and th- the, the loss of nine soldiers in one incident, stateside, is going to reverberate through the 101st for years to come. I spoke to some uh, retired 101st Airborne Division members in the last couple of days. And they said it's very pro- profound when this happens. It's, it's a time for grieving and it's a time for healing. And the families and friends of these fo- fallen soldiers are pretty much uh, you know, left to their own devices when they get news like this. The medical evacuation helicopters, that's what these helicopters were, Uh, They were conducting a routine training mission when they crashed at approximately 10 p.m. local time in an open field across the residential area. All nine of the service members aboard the two aircraft were killed in the accident. Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Huffler, a spokesman for the 101st Airborne, told the news that earlier reports that a total of four helicopters were taking part in the training exercise were incorrect. There were only two aircraft involved in the training flight at the time of the accident. There were other aircraft in the airspace conducting different training training flights at the time of the accident, which is why multiple aircraft were able to respond quickly to the accident site. It's still unclear what caused the crash. A team from Fort Rucker, Alabama is on, was on site investigating the incident, according to the Army. And the nine soldiers who were killed came from very different, all different backgrounds. Barnes was an aeromedical evacuation pilot. He enlisted in the Army from Florida. 
in 2010, going on to deploy with Afghanistan with the 3rd Combat Aviation Brigade, according to the service records. Bolanos, a UH-60 helicopter repairer and air crew member, was born in the Philippines, enlisted out of Texas in 2019, and in 2020 served for nine months in Germany as part of the Atlantic Resolve. A native Texan, Esparza enlisted out of Missouri in 2010 and had served as an instructor pilot for the brigade since October of 2021. Gayo, also born in the Philippines, joined the Army in 2019 out of California. Gore joined the Army in 2015 and had served as a flight paramedic for the brigade since May of 2022. Healy had been serving as an aerial medical evacuation pilot for the brigade since 2022 after having joined the Army in 2010. Mitchell enlisted in 2014 and was also serving as a flight paramedic for the brigade. Smith from Florida joined the Army in 2012, served as an instructor pilot in the brigade, and had deployed to Afghanistan twice, in addition to a nine-month rotation in Germany in support of Atlantic Resolve. Solinas, a flight paramedic, joined the service in 2018. This was the deadliest aviation training incident since 2015 when 11 service members were killed when a Black Hawk crashed off the coast of Florida. And the, um, you know, the news trickled out slowly because there were so many families that needed to be notified. But if you look at the photographs of these people, and they're available on all of the various news sites, these are you know, just young men and one young lady who were serving their country. And, uh, you know, it's just so, so terribly tragic. One of the, um, one of the males who passed was the, actually the son of a pastor, um, <clears throat> Tim Gore, who's a pastor in North Carolina. He uh, had to identify his son as one of the nine soldiers killed. He called his son Staff Sergeant Joshua Caleb Gore a real-life Captain America who loved serving his country. His passion was search and rescue, and if you happen to be wounded on the battlefield, Caleb coming out of that helicopter would be the most beautiful thing you would ever see. He was kind, compassionate, a gentle giant because he was built like a tank. He was soon to become a registered nurse and was taking leadership training so that he could continue his career as he got older by training others in this field. In a separate Facebook post, Gore said his son's precious wife, Haley, is pregnant and a little boy is expected in about six months. When you hear that, it breaks your heart. You know, because this little boy will never know his Captain America father who died in the service of this country. And he's being born into a country that doesn't even honor the members of the military the way we did in my generation and certainly doesn't honor law enforcement or anything else. So um, I'm saddened. I'm saddened when I hear about these children who will grow up without this, these heroic fathers and mother because all they'll ever be told is, you know, we're an imperialistic, uh, warmongering, racist, misogynistic culture, which is untrue and when you look at these um, when you look at the photographs and you hear the stories of the nine who were killed in the army black hawk helicopter crash in kentucky you understand what a travesty it is to destroy history 
to eliminate memorials and to you know not not understand how important it is to give people pride in their country to let them know that this is still you know a great nation maybe no longer the greatest on earth it's hard to it's hard to know whether or not we can uh, even call ourselves that anymore we're losing on so many different fronts and probably the front that's the the hardest for me is we have lost our our moral high ground. Um, we have just become a country that's indiscriminate about how it expends its resources and on who. And that's a, that is that is sad. But for the nine soldiers' families who were killed in this training crash, we honor them today, and we honor you because it's the family members, particularly those left behind, particularly those that may never know their a parent or or uh, particularly those parents who are have lost a son or a daughter today it's a great great sadness and and we just want you to know that here in uh, in Florida and certainly on on this particular program we honor their memories and and we will continue to honor their memories as long as I have a microphone um, it doesn't matter to me whether they're in the battlefield or preparing to go to the battlefield. It doesn't matter to me if it's an accident or it's a, you know, an act of war on the part of our enemy. These men and women just put their lives on the line every single day, whether in training or whether, you know, in in, in the battlefield. And so, you know, the the insanity, and I, I don't even know how to approach the subject, especially since today's a day when I speak so you know, kindly and honestly about what I believe is the um, the the sanctimony of, of a military, a volunteer military that does what it's doing. But the idea that I could see a day would come where the administration refused to take responsibility for what happened in Afghanistan is crazy. And it's apparently not getting a whole lot of uh, news reportage because this doesn't fit their their narrative and people are really you know condemning them for blaming Donald Trump. I mean, you can't you can't make this stuff up. It's grotesque. That withdrawal from Afghanistan is directly the responsibility of the current president of the United States. It was shameful. There were deaths, particularly deaths in the military and civilian deaths, people falling off airplanes. And to listen to Anthony Blinken say like, well, it went really well. No, you know, we're pretty uh, proud of ourselves. It was disgusting. And how, oh, it would have been better if the previous administration had not done the Doha Agreement. Whatever you think about the Doha Agreement, and I'm not a fan, that doesn't excuse that the subsequent administration simply ignores what's going on on the ground or doesn't take the advice of the military? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Every day I grow more and more disenchanted with this, uh, you know, this moron that we have as our commander-in-chief. But I've, I've vented, and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna let that go for right now. Meanwhile, I got a, a reporter from the Wall Street Journal who's been, uh, you know, picked up for spying in Russia. And, uh, you know, we'll get to it. I guess we'll get to it, right? He's officially charged today with spying. He's 31 years old. 
and he was accused of acting on the instructions of the American side. So in other words, he's being punished for what they say our government did. First and foremost, I don't believe our government did it. They don't have the guillons to do it. He was doing legitimate journalism when he was detained by the secret, secret police in Russia, the FSB. And if he's convicted, he could face 20 years in a Russian prison. Now, I hope as much effort is put forward to get Mr. Gershkovich out as was put forward to get a WNBA basketball player out. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it right there, and I'm going to take a break. We're going to be talking with uh, Rod Derillis, former congressional Republican um, candidate for the nomination to uh, take on uh, Lois Frankel. Um, he did not win that race, but I'm sure there's a race in his future, but he did write an incredible editorial this week on Fox. So I want to talk to him about that and also get his take on what happened that night at Mar-a-Lago. He was there on Tuesday. Stay right where you are. I will be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. All right, and welcome back. Yesterday, we were unable to complete our connection to Rod Derillis. He's a Navy veteran, a Palm Beach International Business and Maritime Attorney, and former Republican congressional candidate. He also served in the Trump administration as counsel to the Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, um, in 2020. Let, let me read this editorial to the audience because I've been you know, sort of promising it for days. Um, he says... Uh, when a Navy training video on the use of preferred pronouns emerged last year, many people, myself included, initially thought it was a joke. <clears throat> that reaction is understandable. After all, a rainbow-colored video on how to make the Navy a safe space for people who are exploring their gender identity seems more at home on South Park than in basic training. But last week, a top Department of Defense official offered testimony to Congress that doubled down on the video's underlying message that the armed services must be a safe space in which each member feels validated and affirmed on his or her journey of self-discovery. The DOD's chief diversity and inclusion officer, yes, the military now has one, told the House Armed Service Committee the concerns young Americans have about safety are negatively impacting recruiting. But he wasn't talking about physical safety. Instead, he claimed that potential recruits and young service members do not feel safe reporting to work for fear of discrimination. This is both absurd and untrue. The DOD's own data shows that today's military has never been more diverse, with black Americans enlisting in the armed services at a higher rate than any other racial or ethnic group. So what accounts for the official's unsubstantiated claim? Well, the DOD has brought into the DEI industrial complex, which is injecting its noxious ideology into one of the nation's most meritocratic institutions. Even worse, it's undermining the very ethos that places discipline, 
teamwork, and collective lethality above individual fragility. As a black Navy veteran, I find it insulting to suggest that service members feel less safe working alongside their comrades in arms than they would confronting an enemy in battle. I enlisted in the Navy because I wanted to give back to the nation that provided my immigrant parents a new beginning, economic opportunities, safety, and security. My parents supported my decision to join America's Armed Forces, not only because I was stubbornly determined to fight for our country, but because it in turn would provide structure, teach me life lessons, and provide higher educational opportunities. Indeed, upon completion of service, I returned home more disciplined and later obtained my bachelor's and juris doctorate degree with the help of the GI Bill. To be sure, bias and discrimination have no place in our military or anywhere else, but the DOD's Board of Diversity and Inclusion, yes, the military now has one of those two, is a perfect example of the way that wokeness is hijacking otherwise serious conversations the military could be having about inclusiveness in the armed services. For example, a recent DOD report on racial and ethnic inclusion in the military goes completely off the rails, recommending that the military invest in transgender inclusion by developing policies on everything from dorm assignments to drug therapies. When it does address issues relating to racial and ethnic inclusion, it offers absurd solutions. For example, even though black people enlist at a higher rate than any other racial group, they reach 0 to 4 or 0 to 6 promotions at the lowest rate of any racial or ethnic group. One reason is that, statistically speaking, black service members tend to score lower than their white counterparts on the qualifying tests. The solution to this problem seems straightforward. Offer diagnostic testing to service members and provide training programs to help them achieve at a higher level. But instead, the Board on Diversity and Inclusion recommends either eliminating qualifying exams or supplementing them with subjective personality testing. Universities have used such personality tests to racially gerrymander incoming classes by downgrading Asian American applicants at a staggering rate. And if oral argument was any indication, the Supreme Court will likely hold that the practice is unconstitutional in a set of cases before it this term. When I enlisted in the Navy, I was 17 years old. The Navy did not infantilize me. It did not treat me like a victim, and it most certainly did not suggest that I was unsafe among my fellow sailors. Instead, the Navy taught me the meaning of honor, courage, commitment, and true selflessness. It taught me that regardless of background, color, religion, origin, or creed, as a team united by one identity, the American identity, we could accomplish any mission and defeat any foe. If divided, then we would fail. Beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful statement, you know, editorial. It's on the Fox News website, foxnews.com opinion pages. And just, uh, you know, Google Rod Derillis because you should, you should hand that out to everybody. Because imagine the audacity of blaming the fact that we have less recruits on we're not inclusive enough of people who are transgendered. 0.06% of the population is legitimately transgendered. So that's not our problem. You know, th th this insanity that we've allowed to overtake us is just beyond my comprehension at this point.
you know, I was listening last night on one of the, the nightly uh, programs, or, or maybe I was listening on my radio in the car to, to the uh, Fox Nation or whatever, but that somebody was actually on there talking about how we have literally allowed um, a very small minority of people in this country to dictate everything to us, even though it makes no sense, and even though most of us have, you know, we understand it's, it's, it's BS. You know, we've got corporations having diversity, uh, you know, meetings and then picking some transgender dude to, to represent Bud Light and Nike sneakers. You know, so guess what? It's not a, I never call for boycotts. I really don't. It's not, that's not what I do. But I'm not buying any Nike sneakers. You can, I haven't bought them in years for other reasons, but I'm not buying them now at all. I'm not letting my grandsons talk me into buying them for Christmas. Nope. Absolutely not. You know, the support of this, uh, whatever this guy who's appearing everywhere in the Bud Light commercial, you know, give me a break. Celebrating his 365 days of girlhood? We, we, we tolerate that? And we, these corporations think that that's going to endear them to the people who actually purchase their product? That's crazy. You know, who do you think drinks the Bud Light? I was in the uh, Publix just this morning and I saw a... Hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I saw a white male, probably over 50, buying some Bud Light. That's their audience, okay? Fortunately for them, that white male didn't know that they have now picked a Miss, Transgender, Miss Universe Transgender to represent Bud Light because I doubt he would have wanted the Bud Light at that point. Might have given him a kind of uncomfortable uh, taste, so to speak. Anyway, let me uh, remind you that at 1 o'clock, no, you know what I want to remind you about? Download the app. You really should have our app on your phone. I get all these news alerts, and Sharina really keeps that website and the, and the, and the app up to date with all the news stories. So um, you just go to your app store and download it. Uh, or if you don't want to, if you don't do apps, then go to our website so you can join in on these contests. We're giving away a pair of tickets to Bites and Spirits. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the second annual Fork Cancer. And all of these things involve lots and lots of food and lots of uh, good times. Uh, one is on uh, April 20th is the Fork Cancer one. And the pair of tickets to Bites and Spirits, I believe, I don't even know when that is. But you want the tickets anyway. So go ahead and go to the website, 850wftl.com. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back be checking in with Derek hopefully at 945. I don't count on anything anymore, <laughs> but that, that is my intention. Um, and Rod called back to let us know that he apologizes to the audience. You see, that's what the military teaches you, manners. I love when I talk to men and women who serve in the military and they, gave, they call me ma'am. You know, they, they call each other sir. It's, it's um, yeah, but, but what we need more are more Dylan Mulvaney's in, in the military, apparently. That's what Lloyd Austin and, and this ridiculous crew that wouldn't even take responsibility for that disastrous departure from Afghanistan. I mean, I, I, I loathe Antony Blinken, but after watching his performance yesterday, because that's what it was, I think he should be impeached. I really do. What a grotesque performance of it. You know, it wasn't our fault. It was Trump's fault. Oh, man. Anyway, 
you know, Trump is the uh, punching bag of the universe. That's all there is to it. And nobody I know could stand the pun punishment that's going to come to any Republican running for office. Uh, and listen to this. The Consumer Product Safety Commission voted unanimously just the other day. What's today? The 7th, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday, to advance a proposal that would enable portable generators to emit less carbon monoxide and shut down the devices automatically if the odorless, potentially toxic gas reaches a certain level. The rule would protect unsuspecting consumers from carbon monoxide poisoning associated with portable generators. Now, talk about infantilizing everyone, okay? You know, we live in Florida, and after Hurricane Andrew, the one thing I realized was there could come a time again, and there have, when I would be without power. And FP&L and every other power company and it would who come roaring in, and within a couple of days, they would be able to restore power. But what do you do in those couple of days? Well, you generally have a generator, especially if you have um, people who require uh, electrical medical equipment or people who require refrigeration for their medications, you really don't want to take a chance at not having a, a generator. So what does anybody out there believe that generators run on? You know, uh, you can't get a solar-powered generator that's going to get you through the night. Let's put it that way, okay? So now they're telling you, we think you're too stupid to, you know, not put your generator in an area, in a confined area, and allow carbon monoxide to uh, overpower you. It, you know, that, that's Darwinian. It, anybody who is literally has a, a portable generator and doesn't realize that it is something that must be uh, handled appropriately and that there are always risks and dangers whenever you use it, well, then perhaps, uh, you know, you're, you're, too, you're taking up too much oxygen is what you're doing. That's all. You know, and, and you're, you're obviously dead from the neck up. Nobody has a generator that I know who's incapable of understanding that they have to be cautious when they employ it. I mean, you got... Uh, I just, I'm so tired of bodies like the Consumer Public Safety Commission and the CDC and, and the IRS all telling me that I'm too dumb to handle much. And they're just going to make sure there's enough regulation so that I don't hurt myself. You know, uh, there's a certain part of me that actually believes that the weakest of any species generally don't survive. You know, on the airplane coming back or going to, I know it has to be going to because my little TV didn't work coming back. But on the airplane come, going out to San Francisco, I watched a documentary about, uh, it was about elephants, you know, and it was in particular about this one group of elephants that um, lived in some very small area of Africa and there was like a matriarch, this queen elephant. I think that was even the name of the documentary, The Queen Elephant. And 
you know, th there were, elephants are very um, emotional creatures. I don't think people realize that, but elephants attach themselves to um, their children, much like humans do, and even attach themselves to other children, um, you know, the, the, the progeny of other female elephants, all the mothers uh, protect the the baby elephants or the little and and their babies they're they're like nursing until they're like two years old, and that's all they do, and so all the mothers rally around these little uh, babies, but comes the time when it's obvious that uh, the baby's not going to make it or not going to survive. Elephants just have a ceremony and l let go, you know, and I I think that if you are actually dumb enough to buy a portable generator and not, you know, be able to to use it within the voluntary standards that exist, okay? 60% of available generators all have safety features and, um, and the ones that don't are probably because you bought them 30 years ago or 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. I, I don't know when the cutoff was, but you know that, and and if you lose your power and you put a generator like a, a couple of you know inches away from your house with the exhaust pointing into your house, the, the world might be better off without you. You know, I, that's, that's all. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but come on. The manufacturers of these generators, the Centers for Disease Control, all the state agencies, even the Consumer Safety uh, Commission, have for years warned people about not using gas-powered generators inside. You know, they will emit carbon monoxide, which blocks oxygen from getting into the body, and that's why you die. Generators, though, come with instruction manuals that tell you that and they issue all kinds of warnings about this phenomenon. Read and follow all of the instructions, and you'll be okay. Do not use your generator indoors. But, but the idea that the Con Consumer Safety Products Commission really doesn't believe that I am capable of reading the instructions and following them is insulting. You know, who are they? A bunch of bureaucrats sitting around pushing papers and seeing if they can zero emission. We've got to have zero emissions of everything. In December of 2021, the California, I don't know what they call it, the Air Resources Board, said they are not going to allow the sale of generators until they meet zero emission standards. So if you have some bad weather like they've been having in California, don't even think about having a generator. Just suffer, you know. Uh, you know, get a candle. I don't know. Oh, no, you can't have candles. You might burn down your house with a candle. Okay, well, what do you do? Get enough batteries so that you can operate flashlights. How on earth are you supposed to cook with a flashlight? I'm just saying, you know, I just, I'm so tired of being infantilized by the government. It's like they really think we're all stupid. And maybe the proof that we're all stupid is that we keep voting for them. We got people sitting in Congress and in the, ho in the House and in the Senate. We got people sitting in the White House who are older than dirt. They should be retired and rocking on a rocking chair somewhere and leave governance to people who are still vital, okay? And there are some vital 70-year-olds, but uh, there are, I don't know many vital 80-year-olds. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino, and at three o'clock, 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. 
And then, hey, we'll be heading into the weekend, which is a beautiful thing, no matter who you are, what you're doing. Uh, but I'll be coming back, hopefully, to talk with Derek out there at TMZ, my son. I got a lot to tell him and a lot to ask him about why he continues to live in California. So stay right where you are. Ah, yes, that Kaufman kid who insists that life is okay in California. How you doing, kid? Everything is great out here. The weather's finally starting to turn around. We're getting sunshine. I'm telling you, you your idea of L.A. is not the reality. Once it's warm, we're, we're perfectly happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> I looked at your tax structure recently, and that's not okay. And I looked oh, at... Oh, yeah. Uh, no, not happy about that part, but at least the sun's shining now. <laughs> oh, okay. And, 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 and uh, Crazy Bob getting knifed on the street in San Francisco doesn't make me feel any better about your sister and my grandkids out there. Yeah, what a, what a sad story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is the founder of Cash App, and now we see the surveillance footage of uh, him having suffered the mortal stabbing wound stumbling around outside he goes uh to, to try to like go to a an apartment building and and get some help he goes up to a car and uh, he appears to show his wound to the person who then just drives away Ugh. maybe scared themselves and he collapses and ultimately died after calling 911 saying help someone stabbed me uh just an absolutely horrific story he was a guy he's my age basically 43 years old married with two kids yeah. unbelievable it is and and that's my problem is like, you know, a lot of these cities, San Francisco being one of them, Chicago being another, Detroit being another, and excuse me, Derek, L.A. being another, the crime is out of control and you've got these DAs who don't punish criminals. You know, instead, the DA in New York decided to go after the former president. I mean, really, you've got to yeah, be listen, embarrassed. I, I, I care a lot about safety and I do believe things are a, a little bit out of control. You know, mm-hmm. even in my neighborhood the other night, a, a neighbor said someone stumbled into their yard and yelled at the person uh, who came out and said, hey, you're in my yard, but I just need to get some sleep. Um, oh. So there is a, a sort of feeling that there's a bit more lawlessness than there has been in the past, although I'm not sure that the statistics bear that out because statistically it, it is safer if you look at the sort of grand scheme of things than it has ever been, but it does feel at a micro level quite unsafe at times. Yeah, and, and it's just it's very concerning for the long-distance grandmothers, I'll just tell you that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure. We suffered. But uh, I, I did, I th- thought one of the most interesting stories on TMZ today had to do with Caitlyn Jenner, who was outraged at this Dylan Mulvaney character who's now not just the Bud Light thing, they, them, but she, it's now the the Nike hero. Yeah, yeah. look, Dylan Mulvaney is a huge uh, influencer. Uh, that's just a reality. She, she is a, uh, you know, a, tr- a trans woman, and she did have a partnership with Bud Light that caused Kid Rock to shoot up a bunch of Bud Light cans, and she has an endorsement deal with Nike. Um, she posted, she's sort of lying in the sun and wearing one of their sports bras, and Caitlyn Jenner, who's always looked to as a voice on these issues, is actually quite upset. Mm-hmm. And her argument is not against Dylan Mulvaney, who she's saying, that's fine, she secured an endorsement deal, that's all well and good, but she's putting the focus back on what happened to Allison Felix, who was mm-hmm. the star runner, uh, and Nike gave her a pay cut when she got pregnant. And she's mm-hmm. saying, uh, and Caitlin says, well, why is uh, this woman getting a pay cut and basically forced out of Nike and re-signed with Athleta? Um, but 
Dylan Mulvaney has got this new deal. It doesn't make sense for Nike to give a deal to Dylan Mulvaney, but not to a decorated Olympian like Alistair. Yeah, a good point. And certainly, if anybody understands trans women, it, it's uh, Jenner. You know, so yeah. Uh, the thing, the thing I want to sort of refocus though is Nike. Yes, he's he's their sort of woke agenda as he sees it, but they're also responsible for their shareholders. And if they believe that Dylan Mulvaney can sell more product than Allison Felix, they have a responsibility to do a deal with Dylan Mulvaney. Now, that may not be true, and that may not ultimately be the right business judgment, but when a company is doing this, they're trying to make money. Uh, and, and your politics aside, that's their responsibility to the shareholders, isn't it? No, but see, I don't agree. They're being held hostage by these DEI boards and these DEI committees that everybody insists you have to have now at the corporate level or else, you know, hedge fund managers are not going to invest in your company. And it's that kind of pressure that makes them decide that somehow, look, I was in Publix this morning and the guy who was buying a case of Bud Light was a white male, probably about 62 years old. That is not Dylan Mulvaney's sphere of influence. It doesn't make any no, sense. No, pro- probably not. And to the, to the extent it alienates those customers, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, this could hurt their business. Kid Rock is also quite influential, and he shoots yeah. up the can. So people yeah. do boycott the, the beer because of the partnership, and it would hurt the business. And, and mm-hmm. that would be a problem. But I think, I think you know, Anheuser-Busch and Nike would prefer to make the tents bigger, right? They want more people to drink beer, not fewer. Ultimately, don't they want both? Both uh, you know segments of the population to drink their beer and wear their, what segment? Wear their athletic gear. Point oh six people in America are transgendered. It's not exactly a big group they're going after. <laughs> I mean, oh, but you know they're going after the people who support those movements, right? Uh, they're not just trying to. And to nobody supports to. it. People are just being quiet. That's all. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll leave that alone. What happened to Bill Macy, William Macy? He's like being sued for a ton of money now. Yeah, no, this is, you know, we get these disputes every now and then. This is a big one. So William H. Macy has a neighbor, and in California, there's sometimes some disputes because we live in a hilly part of the world. Um, and there can be these old-growth trees that are on your neighbor's property that obstruct views or seem like they might fall onto your property. And it sounds like William H. Macy, according to this lawsuit, has a neighbor named Pierce Brown who was away on vacation. And he says William H. Macy took his landscapers over to his property and butchered a bunch of trees, um, you know, there's potentially problems that this could, you pull up these kind of roots and maybe it causes rock slides. But he also says, look, I was on vacation. The guy just like entered my property. <laughs> and uh, when he confronted me about it, he admitted it. He says, William H. Tracy came over and said, yeah, I chopped your trees down. So he, oh, wow. he's bringing him into court and suing for more than $600,000, which mm. sounds like a lot, but old growth trees are, uh, they're not cheap. And he also says he suffered some emotional trauma from the whole incident. Yeah, well, his trauma didn't compare to Jeremy Renner's, who was, like, watching his eyeball roll around when he had that snowball accident. That was a great story as well. They're all on the TMZ website. Just go to TMZ.com. And don't forget to listen to Derek's newest podcast uh, if you want to know who died and how, right? What's it called? Yeah, listen to Last Days. It's a great podcast. And uh, this week we've got Brittany Murphy up, so check it out. I already heard it, but it was very good. (laughs) Always a proud mama. You take care of yourself. All right. See you in L.A. soon. All right. And uh, that pretty much does it for me, right? I think we're, uh, we're done this week, and, uh, and I'm ready. I'm ready for the weekend. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here on Monday at noon. 
if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. Stay safe this weekend. See you on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.